This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hi, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Decoding Obesity Podcast. We are going to talk about a very interesting topic today. We will be discussing about the use of medications in the management of obesity. You know, before I learned about obesity medicine, I was of the opinion that this is just a lifestyle disease and should be managed as such. And boy, was I wrong. It is a chronic disease which sometimes does require medications, just like hypertension or diabetes. Well, to discuss this, I have Dr. Alexandra Soba on the show today. Dr. Sowa is a dual board certified physician of internal medicine specializing in metabolic health and she's also a clinical instructor of medicine at NYU Langone. Dr. Sowa has served as a health expert for national media outlets and print publications like Sirius XM, CBS News, NPR, The New York Times, US News, World Report and much more. In addition to her private practice in NYC, she is the founder of Sowell Health, a consumer metabolic health company. Sowell Health's foundational product, the Weight Loss Biology Kit, is the first at-home lab kit to test for insulin resistance and other metabolic factors that make up your weight biology. Hi, Alexandra. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, this is so much fun, you know, to have other obesity specialists talk about this very, very important topic, actually. You know, like I'd mentioned, interestingly, when I had started my weight loss journey and when I was still in training, I thought it was a lifestyle disease. And I did not believe that medications would help this. And I was so wrong, you know, I yes, learned so we, much. <laughs> traditional medicine is generally very wrong about this. And this is what we were taught. I mean, I don't know about you, but I didn't graduate from medical school that long ago, but I didn't receive a single lecture on nutrition or the management of obesity. And I entered this field. I actually sought it out pretty early in my training because I thought all of these diseases that we're treating end stage in clinic and in the ICU the root cause for the majority of them is actually excess weight. So why aren't we putting more energy decades before to help people manage the disease of obesity and the symptoms and the eventual other diseases that come with it? So I appreciate the fact that right off the bat, you're like, I was wrong because most of us were. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's dive into this. So how long do you think these drugs have been there, you know, as a part of obesity management? Well, we've had drugs circulating for weight loss for a long time. Really since the 1950s and 60s, we've had stimulant medications and even fentramine dates back quite a while. The problem is, is that the early iterations of the drugs got a bad rap and they were really kind of ostracized from traditional medicine and they weren't studied. And I think that's why we've had a very hard time adopting them. There's a statistic that floats around out there that while at least 60% of our population is eligible for a weight loss drug, about 0.5 to a maximum of 2% of people are even have a discussion with their doctor about them. So even though the drugs have been around for a while, even the ones that we use today and have been studied extensively, 
not a lot of people feel comfortable with them. So I hope we can change that today. I hope so too. I really do want to do that. And that's why I wanted to do this, you know, touch on this topic and do this episode. But what are the common medications that are available now for treatment of weight loss? So right now, I think we can quantify that we have about six tools that are FDA approved right now. And I actually say tools and not just medications, because there's one that isn't approved as a medication on the market for weight loss. So we can list them off. So maybe we'll go by the, the brand name. So we have Qsimia, we have Ally, we have Contrave, we have Sexenda. Now we have a new player on the market that we'll talk about today called Wegovi. And then there is a non-drug, but it's actually classified as a device, but it is a pill you swallow called Plenity. And the reason that they don't classify it as a drug is because it actually doesn't act on any central mechanisms and it's just fiber that kind of expands in the stomach and helps fill you up. So six agents right now, which is really exciting because I think when I started it, I think we had three. So it's growing and it's incredibly helpful because we can tailor people to the medications. So we take what their problem is and then we have all sorts of medications that act in different ways, either to the brain or the gut, the pancreas or the stomach directly, and we can really help target people's specific problems when it comes to excess weight. Yeah, and what's exciting is that Plenity is the only drug that's actually approved even for overweight. Yes. So it's a BMI of 25 and over. So you meet criteria as soon as you hit into the overweight category. And so the rest of the medications are approved for a BMI over 30. So once we hit a classification of obesity, and this is really important, or a BMI of 27, which is in that in-between range of overweight with something that we call comorbidity. So if you have sleep apnea or hypertension or known heart disease or type 2 diabetes, you qualify. You should qualify for these medications. Often your doctor has to fight very hard against the insurance company <laughs> to get it, but you should. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That's a different story altogether. But let's talk about, you know, the stimulant medications we, you know, you touched on that the stimulant medications that have been around for a while, and one of them being fentramine, right? And mm -hmm. how long has this been around? So I have to go back and look at my history lesson, but I think fentramine made its appearance in the 1960s. And it's been very well studied. Fentramine is a stimulant that acts centrally. And we have studied the cardiovascular effects of this very well. And everyone's always afraid that there's a heart risk with this medication, but there really isn't. And I might be jumping ahead, but what people get confused when they hear the word fentramine, they think of that drug fenfen. Right. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the fenfen because I think that's where a lot of the anxiety regarding the cardiovascular effects stems from is the fact that this was a component of the fenfen, but fentramine is spelled with P-H-E-N and right. the other one was F-E-N. And I would love for you to talk about that. So the other one was fenfluramine, and there was a drug on the market, fenfen, fentramine, and fenfluramine that came out in the 1990s. And I have a distinct memory as a kid listening to the reports on this and the catastrophe that kind of happened. So what happened was people rapidly adopted the medication. It worked very well. People lost a lot of weight, and it might have been rolled out a little quickly without proper studies. And what we realized by about 1997 was that people who were on it, some people were experiencing heart valve problems. 
And the reason for this was not fentramine, which we started talking about, is fenfluramine. And fenfluramine acts on receptors that we weren't aware that are in both the heart and the lung. And it did push some people into heart failure. And it was pulled from the market. And I think it gave a lot of people a huge distaste about weight loss medications because it was approved, it was deemed safe, and there were a lot of clinics that popped up for the first time ever saying, we have a medical solution for weight loss. And everyone was like, this must be too good to be true. Wow. And then everyone was like, oh, this is too good to be true. So fortunately, it did set the path that we study these medications, I think, more than any other med out there now, because we don't want this to be rehashed. And so big takeaway is that that medication, you know, it's not out there. You can't get it. The fentramine part of the medication is still around, and it is part of the FDA-approved medication called Qsimia. Now, you didn't hear me say fentramine is one of the FDA-approved medications. It's actually technically only approved for very short-term use for weight loss. But logically speaking, it is part of the long-term usage of Qsimia. So you kind of extrapolate well, then it itself is safe for long-term. And we have studied it long-term. And many doctors will use it long-term. And by all of our societies, it should be standard of care. One of the reasons that it doesn't fall under the bucket of long-term weight loss medication approved by the FDA probably comes down to cost. It's a generic medication, and it's cheap. And no one really cares on the drug side of things to push it through for long-term FDA approval use. So if you have a doctor, if you're using it, your doctors talk to you about it, while it's not technically FDA approved for long-term use, it is safe and is part of a larger drug that is. And so there's no funny business going on there if you're on it. Right. I mean, it's been around for a very long time. You know, fentramine has been extensively studied for weight loss. It is relatively safe. Of course, all medications have certain side effects, which the physicians watch for. And, you know, we as physicians look out for these side effects that patients may have, and sometimes they may need to be changed. Sometimes patients may not even be the right patient for fentramine to be used as a weight right. loss drug, right? But what are the common misconceptions that, you know, you face when you talk, start talking about fentramine to patients because it's also a stimulant? Right. So it is a stimulant and it does kind of tell the brain and the stomach to be less hungry. And it really can be very effective for taking away appetite. Let's even start with like some of the side effects because they're there and people should know about them. So one of the things that we do as doctors is we make sure that you don't have known heart disease or high blood pressure and heart disease in the sense that you've had a heart attack or had interventions or have high uncontrolled blood pressure. If you have high blood pressure that's controlled, that's fine. We just manage it. So we regularly kind of do a heart exam and check your blood pressure. The stimulant nature of it I am careful with people who suffer from extreme anxiety or insomnia because the medication is a little bit of a stimulant in an upper. So it can give you a little bit more energy and it can interfere with sleep, if, especially for those who already suffer from poor sleep habits. But we start slow, right? You start small of the doses you need and you kind of generally mitigate any of those side effects. I'd say that people, their fear about it not actually the fear about the medication, and I think the same could be said for any medication that I use in my practice, is that people think that using a medication is an admission of failure. And it's an admission that they couldn't do it themselves. And I think that's the saddest thing that we as a society have done, is this idea that 
weight loss, weight gain is willpower. And you are not a strong enough person if you can't do it on your own. And I think more than the fear of the medications, it's the fear of what other people will think of them and how they think about themselves. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned this because a lot of times I draw an analogy to a few things when people mention, you know, whether it's about willpower or not. I'm often asked this question. You know, I always pose this question to them. You know, there are a lot of very, very successful people in this world who have done very well for themselves and they're suffering from obesity. And I just wonder if they have the willpower to do that, whatever they did, and to be successful in however they are successful. Why would they not have the willpower just specifically to help themselves with obesity? And, you know, I think when you start looking at it from that perspective, you kind of understand that's probably more to it than just willpower. There's a lot more to it. I actually don't believe there's much willpower involved. I think that we have to tackle weight loss with a plan. You have to follow certain behaviors and you have to do certain things routinely. And you do have to understand that food and lifestyle is at the core of any successful weight loss. But when I have a patient sit down in front of me, the first thing I say to them is that this is not just your burden, right? This is not your failure. So we're going to lift that because you really can't get much accomplished until you can get beyond that. So this is not about willpower, this is about biology. And you said it at the beginning, like obesity is a disease, just like high blood pressure, just like osteoarthritis of our knees, right? Just like any other thing that we suffer with as humans, we treat those other diseases, no problem. We'll take a pill, we'll change our diet, we'll get on the treadmill. But when it comes to weight, for some reason, we don't think that we should be taking the full multi-dimensional approach. And, you know, that starts in the doctor's office, right? So I'm sure people listening have had a terrible experience with doctors about weight. I'm sure they've had doctors tell them that weight loss meds aren't safe. I'm sure that they've had doctors say, I'm not comfortable writing for them. And that perpetuates a fear and that perpetuates the stigma that you just need to eat less. Like there's no way, you know, people come to me and they say, my doctor wouldn't believe my food log. They said, there's no way you're this heavy and eating like that, right? How horrible must that feel? And so the first thing you need to do is trust people, right? And if anyone out there has ever struggled, weight loss is hard. Try to lose five pounds or 50 pounds. It doesn't matter. It's hard. And so we really need to just scrub this out of our lexicon, both in society and in the doctor's office and in our own brains, that weight loss is just about willpower. So I'm really glad we're talking about the meds today because while they might not be the right fit for everyone, not everyone needs them. We shouldn't jump to them right away. We really shouldn't. But if this is something you're struggling with and you have other problems that are getting worse because of weight, medications can be such a useful tool. I tell people it's just a part of my toolbox and we talk about it and, and we go through the risks and we go through the benefits. And if they have fears they really need to make sure that they're working with someone who isn't just like, well, this is my way or the highway. It's this one drug I offer and that's it. Those sort of clinics probably should find somebody else because if they're just offering one solution for you, then they're probably not even taking the approach that this is something that needs to be personalized. Yeah, and that's what I strongly believe in. You know, it's not one size fits all for obesity care. It has to be individualized to the person who's receiving the care. But for fentramine, I think One of the reasons that I, if I recall correctly, why it wasn't approved for long-term use in itself was the fear of the addictive potential because it's a stimulant. Right. But again, it has been approved for long-term use as (laughs) Cusimia, right? Right. There's no stimulant addiction. We don't do the same for patients who are in Vyvanse 
or for patients who, and we actually didn't even talk about that medication, but that is a medication that's not approved for obesity management, but for binge eating eating disorder disorder, management. But it's also, you might hear it as part of ADHD. So there are stimulants allowed to use for ADHD management long-term that are in the same class and affect the same pathways in the brain. So thank you for bringing that up. It's something that I don't even consider because it's just not true. People do not get addicted to fentramine. Yeah, it's approved, but it's not approved. And, And this is what it is. I know. It's a weird space that we're in. But what are the other medications? I know we talked about Saxenda. I think people are very probably are very familiar with Saxenda because that's one of the heavily marketed drugs yes. for weight loss. So let's talk about that. How does that work and how does that help people? So Saxenda is one of the two drugs that we now have approved that is in the class of GLP-1 agonists. So it mimics a hormone that's produced in the body that I like to describe as an anti-hunger hormone. It affects both the brain and the stomach and the gut and actually our pancreas also, and how we're kind of processing food. So Saxenda is a daily injectable medication. People get so freaked out when they hear that it's an injectable, but it comes in this nifty little pen that's so easy. You don't have to draw up any medication. And there's the tiniest little needle. This is not like a needle you got when you get the flu vaccine. This is not like any other needle you've ever gotten. It's tiny and you take a little pinch of your belly fat is usually the place that we inject it and you push down a pen and you get your daily dose and i have had the most needle phobic patients be like this really i shouldn't have worried about this this is easy so right off the bat it's an injectable but how does it work it primarily at the beginning works by decreasing your stomach emptying time so food sits in your stomach much longer and because of that your body processes food differently. And it also tells the brain, stop sending me hunger hormones. You know, a big problem with what happens with excess weight is as it comes on, the pathways of how our body should be telling us to stop eating and start eating get dysregulated. And GLP-1s like Saxenda help us regain normal pathways. And we see significant weight gain with them, about like eight to 10%. You mean weight loss? Of weight loss. Yes. What did I say? Sorry. Weight gain. <laughs> <laughs> weight loss. Oh my gosh. Eight to ten percent of total body weight loss with Saxenda, and that's why the studies I see much higher losses in my practice because we combine personalized nutrition with it. So you can see benefit well beyond what the studies have shown. It's approved for long-term use. We have to be careful with this drug specifically with women who are in their child-bearing years who might get pregnant. We don't want to be on pregnancy. It just hasn't been studied well enough. There are some studies showing that it's probably safe in breastfeeding and probably isn't the worst thing in the world if you get pregnant on it, but we avoid it and we ask women to be very careful and on birth control when they're on it. Um, It is well tolerated, but the side effect that we need to kind of talk about is that it can make people feel nauseous. And that's because food's sitting in your stomach longer and you're also just not eating as much. It can really, really take away your appetite. And because of that, you get some increased stomach acid secretion and it can make people feel a little crummy. We fight against that by going up very, very slowly on this medication. So you do not go to the full dose until at least five weeks from the start. I tell people to never go up to the next dose. if They're still feeling nauseous. They should wait, wait until on one dose they're feeling good and then they go up. But it doesn't happen to everybody. Some people feel it and some people don't. You know, I warn everyone about yeah. it. And they're like, that was, that was easy. <laughs> but yeah. it works very, very well. So 
Alexander, while we're on this topic of these GLP-1 analogs, let's talk about the newest drug that is showing some very promising results with respect to weight loss. Yes, it's called Wegovi, and it was just approved. But it's not a new medication. So this is actually important for people to hear. The drug itself has been around for quite a while. It was approved under a different name called Ozempic for the management of type 2 diabetes. And what we realized was that Ozempic, like Sexenda, it's all in the same class, we were seeing significant weight loss on it. The difference between Ozempic and Wegovi is that Wegovi goes to much higher doses. And what makes us different than Sexenda, it's actually a weekly injection. So adherence is a little bit higher because people don't forget to take their daily dose. And people like it, so they only have to give yourself a shot once a week. Here's a big problem with this medication right now, is that it was released, but the rollout has been a little bit complicated. So you might have heard about it. You might have even gotten your hands on the initial medications that they were releasing with the coupon. But the company has run out, has faced a supply chain issue with the, from what I understand, the pens themselves, the medication, but the way that they're delivering the medication. And so it's here, it's successful. So the success rates that they're seeing in the studies are people over 12 months to 18 months are losing about 15% of their total body weight, which is about 5% higher than any other medication we have on the market. Again, even higher when you're combining this with lifestyle. So this will be, a, people are calling it a game changer. I will say that, I don't know if it's a necessarily a game changer because I think a lot of the other medications get quite close to what this drug is doing. And I, so I think that if you can't get it or if it's not you know, covered by your insurance, it's not hopeless. <laughs> a lot of the other <laughs> medications are achieving the same, but it did get a lot of press this summer. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think one thing that'll be very helpful to our listeners is to kind of understand what are some of the questions that you know your patients when they come to your office ask you about these medications so that I'm sure they have certain fears about all of these medications. So, you know, just to allay their fears or their questions that they may have in their minds. Well, I think one of the big fears about these GLP-1 medications specifically is people will read about some of the side effects, so the nausea or how people are feeling on it. And I think it's important to work with a doctor who's really following you closely so that you can communicate how you're feeling. Because there isn't a one-size-fits-all, even with the going up on these medications. And I do think it's important to have an open line of communication. Because we can really avoid most of these side effects if you're just being managed. You know, if someone's really holding your hand through going up on the medication. The fear is that what will this do to me long-term? And when I say something like, oh, this is a new med on the market, we're really excited. People are very, very scared, right? People say, well, this hasn't been studied. And in fact, yes, you know, with Wegovi, we have studied it. And I feel so good about these medications that I use in my practice because they are studied extensively. And even these new GLP-1 medications that we're talking about, they don't affect the heart, but we've studied the effects on the heart. And actually what we've seen is actually a cardiovascular benefit. And that has to do with improving your insulin resistance and bringing down blood sugars. And so there's been a lot, there's, a, there's so much red tape around these meds specifically because we're in the weight loss realm and that they are, nothing is kind of flipping through. And a few years ago, we actually did have a medication that was removed from the market. Very, it's called Belvique. People might have been on it. It wasn't used that extensively. What we found is that we still continue to study the drugs after they're released. So 
there was some data that the FDA said, no, widows weeds don't like it, so we're taking it off. And there was end of discussion, truly, it was end of discussion. And so we're monitoring these, we watch them carefully. There's always a risk of anything that we do in medicine, but we really have to look at whether the benefit is higher than the risk. Across the board, in 99.999% of patients I see, the benefit far, far, far outweighs any risk with these medications. And they can really help people live much fuller, healthier lives because we are avoiding so many of the diseases that potentially come with excess weight. That's true. That's true. And, you know, I think listening to our conversations, some people might just wonder that if they go to an obesity specialist, they'll just be put on a drug. So just walk us through what you do in your clinic in terms of, you know, is everyone put on drugs or is there a separate process that you follow? I don't think that would be the first step, but sometimes it may be. But what are your thoughts on that? So I think there are doctors out there who the process is, if you're coming to me as a doctor, I have the unique set of skills to write medications. So 100% of the patients in my practice are on medications. In my practice specifically, that is not the case. So it's important, I believe, that everyone's looked at as an individual. So we take into account your family history, your history, what your goals are, what your medical issues are, and how much weight we have to lose. And what your preferences are. You have to listen to people. If someone says to you, I really don't want to be on a medication, then we'll talk about it. But you have to listen to them. I can't make anyone do something. And I most definitely don't want to make someone feel comfortable with what they're doing. I also think it's incredibly important to really dig deep medically into the inside of a person through their labs and really see what their body is telling us in terms of what medication to match them up with. Labs, and it's also how they're eating and what their pitfalls are. So are you a late night snacker? Are you overeating? Are you binging? Are you craving carbohydrates all the time? Are you never full? What is the specific issue when it comes to food? And then looking at our labs, do we see something called insulin resistance? I'm a very big proponent of looking for early insulin resistance because I think it predicts so much of where we need to go with food and even medication in some cases. Do we have metabolic syndrome? Are your cholesterol through the roof? Are your triglycerides through the roof? What's there? And so I think it's not a one-size-fits-all. From that, we start with lifestyle. So the four pillars really need to be stress management, sleep, exercise, and food. And when I say exercise, I don't mean running a marathon. I mean like getting up out of your Zoom seat and walking around (laughs) twice a day, right? And making sure that we're starting, if we're starting at zero, we get to five. And if we're at five, we get to 20 on our kind of exercise intensity. And when it comes to nutrition, I do find that if you find underlying insulin resistance or are verging on type 2 diabetes or at type 2 diabetes, it's incredibly, incredibly important to start to understand your macronutrients and understand the value of a carbohydrate and a protein. Most people who come to me are significantly underfed in the protein department. We have a very carbohydrate-heavy, processed carbohydrate-heavy way of eating in in the United States and traditional Western world. And so understanding why we need to fuel our body in specific ways and how our body is responding to that food, not just on a calories in, calories out, but actually on hormonal mechanism level. And Finding that can actually lead us to the medications that we use too, right? So we talked about Qsimia at the top with fentramine in it. That really helps with overeating. It really helps you take a beat, 
before you eat something and realize, am I hungry or am I just eating this? With the GLP-1 medications that we talked about, incredibly effective across the board, but even more effective for patients who have insulin resistance or are verging on type 2 diabetes or have type 2 diabetes. Contrave, we didn't even talk about that one yet, but Contrave is a medication that is a combination, Wellbutrin and Naltrexone, and it's incredibly helpful with cravings and food that like late night food or food that you just know you can't, you shouldn't be eating, but for some reason you cannot stop. And that medication can be very helpful. So again, it's like partnering the right personality, the right things we see on labs with the right medication. And that's how you really get the perfect mechanism. In not all cases, we need a med. Sometimes it's very clear, we really need to start with the diet. Like We can fix this through diet and lifestyle. Right. And I think one more thing is that fentramine often helps with the carbohydrate cravings as well. So yeah. that's the other thing to understand that, you know, each medication has its own set of things that it brings to the table. And so it really has to be individualized. It's not like everybody is going to be fit for fentramine. Not everybody is going to be fit for a GLP-1. Not everybody is going to be fit for Contrave. And not everybody will require medications. Some people will require them and some people won't require them. They might just do very well just with lifestyle changes. Yes. And you really should start there. And there's no magic wand in any of this. So even though a medication might be very, very helpful, you cannot do it alone. All of my patients' food log, all of my patients' food plan, they're all following a very specific way of eating. You have to do that too. Because you have to learn what life looks like without the medication also. So we're talking about using these medications that are approved for long-term use. But for many reasons, people want or have to come off of medications. And what we don't want is just this significant regain or even a above weight gain from where you started. We want to really use the medications to help change behaviors. And so that's kind of how they augment each other. Right. And how do they work in conjunction with the diet plan per se? I find that they're just very helpful in helping people think straight. So most people who have tried to lose weight have been trying to do it for a very long time and they've had some successes and they've had more failures that they remember, even if that's not the truth. And there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of hopelessness around just eat less, exercise more, right? They're just like, I've done this. And with a medication on board, again, it just helps you be clear your brain a little bit so that you're not as confused as to whether you're hungry or not. You're not as confused as to why you're doing this. It's just a lot clearer. And hunger is incredibly, incredibly powerful. And again, it becomes dysregulated. So People don't realize this, but fat is not just an annoyance, it's an organ. And it's hormonally powerful. And the more you accumulate on your body, the more dysregulated all of your pathways become. And your body cannot tell anymore if it's hungry, or if it's fed, or if it should be burning carbohydrates for fuel, or if it should be storing it as fat. It doesn't make sense of anything anymore. And the medications can help your body relearn the right ways of maintenance. You know. People who maintain a thin body throughout their life think very, very differently about food, eating, all of the things (laughs) associated with living than someone who has a lot of excess weight. And when we carry excess weight and are trying to lose weight, the body is generally working against us to do that. And it's not as easy as just saying, today I start my diet. And that's why so many people fail. And the medications give us, they do empower us to actually help change the biology and like reset what's happening in the body. Yeah, that's so important to understand. And, you know, Alexandra, you'd mentioned something about the investigations. 
and I know you have started Get So Well. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So what do you do with uh, with your company? And tell us more about you know how it works. Yeah. So in my private practice, I was seeing such significant success, really helping people find the right programs for themselves based on their labs, that I launched a direct to consumer metabolic health kit company. So you can test your labs at home and we look at them from the lens of an obesity or metabolic health specialist. And we are putting labs together in a very complex way. So we are screening for things like I talked about, like metabolic syndrome or insulin resistance. That's a very big one. We're looking for thyroid abnormalities or vitamin deficiencies and explaining why you might be feeling the way you're feeling. You know, you've been trying to lose weight, and we're not, we're not getting there. So let's start with our labs. And what we're doing is we're empowering people to understand what's going on on the inside so that they can be directed to the right resources to help them next. And they can feel really empowered to go to their doctor and say, I have this, I uncovered this, let's go to next steps. And so we're really linking people up with the right next step resources. One thing that makes our kits very special is that we actually are testing for fasting insulin and we're putting it together and using a complex medical model to predict early insulin resistance. So years before type 2 diabetes develops, and we see it on our traditional screening tools, we have the ability to actually say, your pancreas is getting tired. You know, it's starting to burn out a little bit. This is the time to change some of our eating behaviors. And this is specifically how we do it. So getsowell.com, you can check out our kits. We have our first kit on the market. It's called the weight biology kit. And we're actually releasing a second kit this month targeting women with PCOS to help them understand that PCOS or polycystic ovary syndrome is, is also a disease. And it's a disease that has a lot of underlying mechanisms that we see with excess weight, specifically insulin resistance, and really trying to help everyone improve their metabolic health. So go check it out. And we also talk a lot about medications and the next step resources and what might be a right fit for you. Oh, that's interesting. Well, this has been an amazing discussion. Uh, thank you so much, Alexander, for shedding light on this topic and you know talking about your company. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So, dear listener, what did you learn today? I would really love to know from you. And you can write to me at host at decodingobesity.com and let me know because this is very important. I hope we've been able to allay some of your fears and some of your misconceptions that you may have around the medications that are used in the management of obesity. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see you all next time. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.